which you also need to do the Comrades Marathon, that it really put aside for not just getting a gold, but in fact getting the top accolade in this year's race. In second position was Ludwig Mamabolov, also from South Africa, about five minutes behind Bongusum Tembu. And uh, Ludwig Mamabolov, if you remember back in 2012, he in fact won the Diamond League. So we also had an eye on him quite, quite early in the, in the race. In third position was the very well-known brother of one of the legends of the Comrades Marathon, Andrew Kalehe, brother's gift Kalehe. Now he came in about a minute and a half behind Ludwig Mamabola. Um, in, in fourth position was Stephen Mazzini from Zimbabwe, also very well known to comrades, and uh, a newcomer, Rufus Foto, in a time of 5 hours 35 and 30 seconds, also from South Africa. In the ladies' race, it really was a, a domination from the overseas uh, participants, but what was really, uh, really exciting to watch was the downfall of the Russians. Elena Negalieva was going for her ninth win, which would have equaled Bruce Fordyce's record of nine wins. But uh, today, the, the, the line honors went to Ellie Greenwood in a time of 6.18 and 15 seconds. Her second comrades marathon, she came second to Yelena two years ago, was out last year with injury, but she came back this year again, focusing on speed. Really, what a lovely story about her is she comes out of St. Andrews um, College in, in Scotland, where, in fact, that was the birthplace of Chariots of Fire, one of the memorable um, music um, music parts of the Comrades Marathon. In second position was Elena, and third was Luciano Galieva. And our uh, first South African was Caroline Borsman, time of 6 hours, 51 and 43 seconds. She came in in sixth position. But all hands down, cast off to Zola Bud-Pikita. Exactly 30 years ago, she ran and had that infamous, infamous battle with Mary Decker Slaney in 3,000 meters at the Los Angeles Olympic Games in 1984. She came back today to South Africa, to her home, her home from um, America. She's originally from Bloemfontein. She, come, she came to run the Comrades Marathon, and she came sixth today, which is an absolutely fantastic achievement, bearing in mind that two weeks ago she actually turned 48 years old. So it just shows how much Zola loves running and how good she is. So today has been a fantastic day for all the runners that have gone from Peter Maritzburg to Durban. We're heading into the last three hours of the event, so we've seen a couple of those desperate faces coming along the line, exhilarated but very, very tired, and we look forward to those last moments when people rush over the line for that final medal. This is Kim Laxton for SAFM Sport. Thanks very much, Kim, and uh, you'll hear a whole lot more of that on SAFM Sports Special coming up after the news at 4 o'clock here on SAFM. But next up, it's time for our... Uh, we're going to talk about short stories in just a minute and how they're written. We're going to be talking to a couple of practitioners. But let's talk to a, a gentleman today who is a reader. He's Lebo Ramadike, and we have him on the line. Hi, Lebo. Hello, hello. Are you with us? Uh, yes, I'm with you. Hi, Lebo. Got you. Um, Lebo, tell us about you. What do you do that you are also a reader? What's your line of work? My line of work is within the media and communications industry. I own a company called Big Brands Media. We do a lot of, we, we develop, we develop concepts, we develop social media strategies, and we believe in uh, a lot of ideas that speak to nation building. Okay, so we, interesting to know where you're coming from. So the book you're reading at the moment that you're really raving about is what? The book that I'm currently reading is called I Awaken the Jays and in you. Uh, in, it, it, the book purely focuses on Jacob Zuma and 
using his challenges as a, as a model or a case study to inspire young people to not lose hope and to gain courage and to work harder at their dreams. Okay, so we're using the challenges, um, looking at what it is that Jacob's facing rather than the way he's handling them, or both? Well... Give us uh, an example. Um, yes, I'll give you an example. We, I mean, you look at the guy who was dismissed as a deputy president a few years ago. Today he's going into his second term as a president. So that speaks to persistence. You know, his big dream was to lead South Africa in the end one day. He was persistent and he pushed up until he achieved his desired goals. Okay. So is it the author is? The author is Greg Moriswi. And... Uh, Never we kind of losing you. Are you, are you still with us? I tell, you, I tell you what, we're going to get the details of the book from Lebo. We're just battling a little bit with his line. I know he's traveling, so that could be a bit of a problem there. But that was Lebo Ramadike, and the book he was talking about is Awaken the Jacob Zuma in You. So we'll get the details in just a minute. So I think we're going to move on because we are a little, little bit short of time. So, well, short being the operative word, because short is what we're talking about. Next, we're talking about the art of the short story. With us in our Cape Town studio, we have Femia Chela. She's the author of a, a story that's been shortlisted for this year's Kane Prize. It's called Chicken. Going to be finding out that in just a minute. But first in our Joburg studio, we have the author of an anthology of short stories, one of which, is, which has lent its uh, title to the title of the book. It's called The Weight of a Feather. And it's Judy Crome who is the author. And we've got her in Joburg. Hi, Judy. Hello, Nancy. Nice to have you with us. Um, am I right? Is it The Weight of a Feather? That's the title of one of the stories and subsequently the title of the book. That is correct, yes. Okay. You don't only write short stories, though. I think you're a novelist as well. Yes. Um, novelists are my first love. Novels are my first love. And um, I wrote Dancing in the Shadows of Love a few years ago, and then time and circumstances changed, and so I, I brought out a book of poetry and and then I decided to bring out this book of short stories. And um, that's how I ended up writing short stories. Do you, would it be fair, a fair question to ask you which do you prefer, or is it just appropriate to the time? Um, I think at heart I am definitely a, a novel writer. I prefer writing the longer stories. But it was appropriate at the time for me to write the poetry and the short stories, and I surprised myself with them. And... I thoroughly enjoyed them, and they seem to be um, getting good responses. And, you know, maybe I discovered something in myself that I didn't know I had. Well, maybe it's the material. You know, I've very often heard, I don't know if you can verify this, that publishers often say short stories don't sell. I don't know if that's true. What do you think? Um... I think that's, I don't I don't, I think that's true. Here. I think it's true at the moment. I don't think poetry and short stories sell as well as um, no novels do. People tend to want to lose themselves in the longer stories. But I, I sometimes think that short stories are maybe starting to come into their own. Not only short stories per se, but shorter novels. Because you just look around you and you see how busy the world is. Mm. And, you know, not many people have... You have to be a really hardened, hardcore reader to sit down and read an 800-page novel when you're rushing around doing a million other things. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of your general readers in their busy lives, and there's so much um, stuff competing for the attention 
there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's um, games and all of that. So to find time to read longer books is, I think, becoming more difficult. And short stories and shorter novels, I'm hoping, are going to start um, finding their own little niche. Yes, absolutely. It's so true, isn't it? I mean, all the texting and the tweeting and everything we do is sort of so much more in sound bites. You would think that people would embrace the short story. So whoever knows what it is. But from the writer's point of view, yes. do, you, do you know what is, when you find a piece of material or a t- particular topic that you're really interested in, do you think short story, novel, do, do you know immediately or do you have to get started and then decide? No, no, I my creative process I know which is a short story and which is a novel because I tend to be quite a slow novel writer because I brood and I brood and and then I start writing and then I sort of get faster and faster but I'll read something in the newspaper um, and then that will flash an image into my mind and then all of a sudden a little short story will pop out of that the length of the short story when I start writing it I don't know sometimes it ends up half a page some of them have ended up 10 pages 15, 20 pages. It sort of takes on its own life once I start writing it. But I will start with an idea that I know is only going to be a short story. Yes, and I imagine that idea needs to be, well, that that uh, that plot, that theme needs to be pretty focused. Can yes. you, amongst the, your anthology, which I think has got quite a lot of stories in it, is it 45? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's about 44 stories. 40, which is quite a lot. Can you yes. sort of synthesize one of them for us? Well, um, the one that, um, the, the title one, is, has proved quite a popular one because the Huffington Post picked it up, and I think it's because it's got universal appeal. It's about, uh, it's the story of a young girl who had pet chickens, and um, I don't want to give too much away, but at the beginning of the story, she closes herself off to love because of something that happens with the chickens, and at the end of the story, she opens herself up to love again. And I think that is what appealed to the editors of the Huffington Post, and it seems to be appealing to a lot of the readers. But what I find most interesting in the response I've had to this book is every single reader and every single reviewer seems to have their own favorites. Um, I've had one reviewer say, oh, the Blue Mountains, which is the story of a, a young woman in a rural area. She's the chief's daughter, and um, she wants to be chief, and her brothers don't want her to be. But she passes all the tests, and so her father supports her, and he sends her off to train as a chief. And it's the story of how she comes back down from the mountains and um, claims her power back from her brothers. I've had some people say, oh, that's my favorite story. Hmm. Then I've had other people say, um, Umbrella in the Snow is their favorite story. And that is a story about a woman who... Um, she was a sort of daddy's girl and he always protected her and he gave her everything she wanted and then she got married and she sort of hid from reality. She hid from her own emotional nature and she had an imaginary umbrella which she thought protected her. And eventually there comes a stage where she, she thinks it's a snowstorm but it's actually her emotions are starting to become so intense that she can't hide from, it, from them anymore and her whole world collapses. And I've had other people sort of relate to that. Mm. And I think that is what's important about a short story. Do they come from the, just the ones that you're describing? Do they come from your imagination or from events? I mean, I imagine a short story writer would be walking around sort of thinking, uh, taking little mental snapshots of, of possible stories. I mean, the girl with the imaginary umbrella. Yeah. Where did such a story come from? Um, well, the umbrella in the snow came from just my imagination. I actually don't know where it came from. I, I had this image, I think I opened an umbrella in the rain, and I thought, gosh, an umbrella in 
in the rain and the snow and then sort of the mind just started wondering and then I thought how would that work and then I looked up the symbolism of an umbrella and um, the umbrella is symbolic of withdrawal and protectiveness and you know sheltering behind the umbrella symbolizes hiding from reality and from there it just sort of started growing but then another short story called The Place of the Doves um, that one was based on a newspaper article about uh, someone in the township in Alexandra had nearly died from eating food that was dumped, that had gone past the sell-by date. And the place of the doves is about this guy who thinks it's his lucky day because he finds this whole pile of food and he takes it home and he starts selling it. But um, the people are sort of rushing, taking it and getting all excited because he's selling this cheap food. And then the doves start just coming, picking the food, and they died in front of him. Oh. And then he thought, oh, goodness, you know, and then, of course, they realized that the food was bad, and he was saved. And after that, because he thought his ancestors had abandoned him, because obviously he couldn't find work in the townships and everything. And then when the ancestors saved him by making the doves eat the food before the people, he then felt, oh, well, he's a lucky man. So the place of the doves came from a real-life story. And oh, gosh. So, uh, you know, so but, it just yeah. depends. Well, I mean... Now I know the story that actually came from um, 1 Corinthians 13 because, you know, it says there, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And it ends off with that famous, and now abide faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And the whole story now I know is all about sort of working through the the archaic meaning of charity, not as almsgiving, but as divine compassion and love. And the main protagonist, Simon, um, he's sort of stuck in a stage in his marriage where all his dreams and ambitions, he's had, had to put them on hold to bring up the family and support the wife and that. And then he meets this young girl, Charity, and she brings him to life again and, and it teaches him how to have compassion not only for himself and his frailties, but compassion for everybody mm-hmm. else. So the, so, yes, I'm just thinking that the start, so if anybody's thinking, oh, I could write a short story, the inspiration is out there. You just have to keep your, your mind wide open and your eyes and ears wide open. So the start can come from anywhere. But just, just lastly, Judy, the ending. I suppose I'm thinking of Roald Dahl, you know, all his short yes. stories that always have a little chick at the end where you think, oh, really? Yes. Well, I didn't see that coming. Yes. Do you, do you know where the stories are going when you start? And do you, does there have to be a little... Um, you know, something at the end that you think, wow, well, that's, that's it. You know where it's finishing. And Nancy, again, I think it depends on the story. Some stories I start with an image. Some stories I start with the ending. Some stories I start with a theme. And um, a lot of my stories um, do have a little twist in the end. I do try to make my stories, no matter how dark the stories are, and some of the stories are quite dark, I've been told, um, but I try to offer through that darkness the the main thing that I try and do in my writing is that at the end of the story whether it's a short story or a long story or a poem is I try to show that you know the human spirit we have an amazing capacity to fight our way through darkness there's always that light there's always that hope at the end and I like my short stories I think I've managed to do that except for one I was told that you know people said that doesn't have a happy ending so the ending may not be a traditional happy ending but it is an ending that offers hope that offers Mm -hmm. inspiration
So I suppose it's up to each and every writer to decide how it's going to end. And the reader, I think. Um, I yes, think the reader yes. brings their own veil of perceptions to, yeah. what they, to what they read and what they see on the page. Do you? Absolutely, very lastly. Very often people imagine that, you know, you can... St- I mean, the, the writing a short story is where you start. A bit like writing a children's book is where you start. I'm going to be a writer, so I'm going to write a children's book or a, a short story because that'll be easy before I move on to the novel. Yes. It, is that... True? Is it the easy way to start? I think it's probably the sensible way to start, Nancy. I I put the cart before the horse, I think, when I started with my novel. I I probably would have gained more experience if I'd done the short stories first and the poetry first and played around with that. Um, So I think probably a sensible place to start is to play around with short stories because you've got a short contained character arc, you've got a short contained story arc, and it's easier to learn how to manage those than it is starting with a full-length novel. Well, thank you for that very wise advice. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And very best of luck with the, the novel that you're researching, which I believe is all about child murders. So mm. very best of luck with that yes, one. It is. Thank you. Quite and, uh, impressive. Yes, I, I, I was going to say... I hope to bring hope out in that story I as well. I hope you do, and uh, our children of South Africa need all the hope that they can get. Absolutely. Lovely. Thank you, Judy. Nancy, Thanks. thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Judy Croom, and she's the author of a book of many short stories, about 40-odd short stories, called The Weight of a Feather, and it's published by Astar Press. The Weight of a Feather, published by Astar Press. So, short stories it is we're talking about, and short stories we're going to be staying with, because we have another short story writer in the studio. She's Ephemia Chela. And her story, interesting that Judy was talking about chickens and the weight of the feather mm. being a story about chickens, because Ephemia's story is called Chicken. Yes, it's lovely yes. to have you with us, Ephemia. Um, tell me where you come from, because in the piece of paper I've got, it says Ghana stroke Zambia. I'm half Zambian, half Ghanaian. Oh, well, that um, explains so, um, everything. Yeah, that's yep. basically yes. But um, I've been living in South Africa for a couple of years and in Cape Town for two years, so... Um, I've been here for quite a while. Good, welcome. Nice to have you with us. And you've been writing short stories, or you've been writing, for how long? Oh, no, not... I'm very new to this. Oh, really? Um, Chicken was my first published and my first completed piece of writing, um, and my first short story. Um, So I'm all very new to this um, idea of writing, but I've always read a lot, and I've always thought a lot, and I've always really thought, at some stage, I'd want to become a writer. I just didn't know how, or didn't, you know, have the courage yet to... So you just did it. Was it interesting for you then to hear what Judy was saying, is that maybe it is a good idea to start with a short story? Yes, I think so. I think it's um, sometimes a mistake young writers make is they start, want to start, start off with this grand novel and then they give up and they get a bit disappointed. And I thought um, I'd start small. Everyone else in the office was entering the Short Story Day Africa competition. Um, and I, well, I sort of thought, well, you know, it's 5,000 words. A few lines came to me and then the story sort of appeared after a lot of editing and rewriting mm. and then I entered it. 5,000 words, that's a, good, uh, that's a good round figure to sort of be working around. So uh, not only have you been shortlisted for the 2014 Kane Prize, for yes. which well done you, Thank that's you. really quite something, but Short Story Day Africa, a very chuffed, um, sort of clucking like chickens, so I'm proud of you because they, they identified your story. How did they find, did you enter Chicken for Short Story Day Africa? I did, and Short Story Day Africa is an, an excellent initiative because it's taking a form that, you know, as Judy was saying, is sort of seen like um, a second-hand form that not many people read along with poetry, and it's really the novel that takes the centre stage. And they've basically been trying to invigorate the form in Africa and really um, celebrate it, link people to short stories um, all over the year, and then have this competition, which 
which I entered. All the entries are read blind um, by some amazing judges, really. Um, blind in as much as they have no idea who you no, are. No, they have no mm-hmm. idea who, who I am. Um, and they, um, after the end of the competition, um, there's this a lovely anthology that comes out and shows you really a spectrum of African writing and situations and... Yeah, they um, are having another competition this year, have another anthology, and it's very interesting. I think I might enter it myself again. It's um, Terra Incognita. It's got to do with speculative fic- 